only thing reshare is getting word of mouth and those kinds of things. And then in, engagement is clicking. Now for a small business, it's very hard to get clicks because you're not trustworthy mm-hmm. yet. People don't know you. Except, and take notes, everybody, except in the case of how-to content. So if you write a blog or you do a video on how to bake a cake, how to whatever, and you give a bunch of tips, that gets a high re- clicking thing. You're listening to Companies and Communities, a podcast that focuses on community building as a way to help build resilient, powerful brands. In each episode, we'll uncover how business leaders and marketers are innovating around the concept of community to drive growth. And you'll learn how you can start, grow, and build a community community of advocates around your brand. Let's dive in. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Companies and Community. I'm your host, Chantel Marcel. This episode is brought to you by Motion, an agency that helps busy B2B marketers launch podcasts. Today, our guest is Kate Bradley Chernus, and I'm going to pass it over to you, Kate, so that you could do a quick intro. Much more interesting than if I just read off your bio. <laughs> Who am I? It's like the big question, right? <laughs> Why are <laughs> we here? Why are we here? I've been doing a lot of actually self-reassessment. Somebody asked me recently, are you happy? And the answer was no. <laughs> Uh-oh. So I took a little time to well, hopefully fix part of it. The rest is a work in progress. Hopefully, as as it always <laughs> it is, right? That's the whole point of life. It's a good question to ask yourselves, everybody listening. Just take a moment and ask, are you happy? And the question they actually really put to me was, if you're not, it was like, where do you want to do what you're doing right now in five years was the question. And the answer was, hell no. <laughs> right? Oh, so, no. I know. We're starting off with the deep stuff. I love it. Getting (laughs) people really deep in their thoughts now. (laughs) This is better than a bio, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I am the co-founder and CEO of Lately, which is an artificially intelligence powered software that transforms podcasts just like this into dozens and dozens of miniature promos. So you can find the best quotes of the things you and I say, and then use them to tease people to watch the whole thing and get more, right? That's the easiest way to say it, which you can tell I struggle with that as so many startups do, like trying to convey what we really do, because it's more, it's a little more complicated, but we can get to more lately-ness later. Prior to lately, I used to be a rock and roll DJ, Chantel. <laughs> so my... <laughs> <laughs> My last gig was broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day for XM satellite radio. Remarkably, (laughs) only that. What I learned about (laughs) the neuroscience of radio actually informs Lately's AI. And anyways, between radio and, and Lately, I also owned a marketing agency. And one of my first clients was Walmart. And I used a spreadsheet system. Raise your hand, spreadsheets, if they're still in your lives. I used a spreadsheet system. There you go that got them 130% ROI year over year for three years. Wow. Thanks. And that was really based on consistency and messaging and understanding how not only Walmart in this case, there was actually 20,000 participants, small, medium, large, nonprofit, for-profit, and government. And what I learned was that marketers hate writing. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And being consistent and understanding personality and how do you make that magical spark that with writing that gets people to do what you want them to do? That's the question we're all trying to answer. And it's not just marketing and it's not just sales. It's the text you send your husband to pick up the (laughs) right eyeliner (laughs) at Walgreens or Mm -hmm. it's getting your child to do their homework or 
whatever it is, whatever communications you're involved in, the objective is get someone to do what I want them to. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But people are generally terrible at it. That's why emojis serve us so well is because Mm -hmm. we suck at writing, (laughs) right? And gifts. I'm big on gifts. Yes, yes. The gift game is one to master. So it's interesting to me (laughs) how much we have to compensate for our writing abilities, like this basic tool set that has been long tossed away as a soft skill. Turns out it's the most valuable skill that anyone can possibly possess. Mm -hmm. I was a fiction writing major. There's a major that everybody laughed at. I did too back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Who's laughing now? Journalism. Journalism. There yeah. you go, right? These are money skill set. So marketers, <laughs> so companies waste $400 billion with a B each year in the US alone because of poor writing. And that's not just because of externally, not because of just sales and marketing, but also internally, how engineers communicate and HR and accounting and all these people who are notoriously even worse than marketers, basic level Mm -hmm. communications. And so as a result, companies are spending 3.1 million in remedial writing training. Doesn't that sound terrible? (laughs) Oh, no. Because we're all idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's, It's amazing. So this idea of communication through writing and having artificial intelligence help you along the way to get to the meat of it, to get to the good stuff, to make you noticeable, to get you what you want, to make you engaging, interesting, entertaining, compelling, whatever it is. It's a combination between not only the words, the very specific baseline words of what you mean, but also that extra je ne sais quoi, that X factor, the AI factor in our case, Mm -hmm. it has to be more than just get the job done. It has to be get the job done and cut through the noise of everyone else, right? It's like a double whammy. Yeah, we're seeing that, especially this year. I mean, everybody's online and there's so much engagement, but you know, a lot of brands have still struggled to get attention or to build connections, build community because their writing is just... And you see this a lot in B2B. It's a lot of the same. Like they feel like there's this box they have to stay in yeah. and they don't leave that box. You're absolutely right. Like people are, they're afraid to be weird or wild or too much or themselves or to color outside the lines. And that's the thing that kills them, right? So I am shameless. <laughs> so I don't have any problem taking that risk, but it's not for everyone, you know? <laughs> it's funny t- for me too, especially because there's some people that have the perfect platform, CMOs of major organizations. They have these huge microphones. Yeah. Right? And and they are so damn boring. <laughs> It always surprises Mm -hmm. me because I think, shame on you, you're supposed to be leading the way and showing us all and you're the worst. But it is about risk and I get it. Like it's, some of it is being able to read the room. That's a gift, Chantel. Not everybody has that instinct. And I had the strangely luxury now of being able to read a room while staring into a black box talking to 20 20 million listeners a day. Like... (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was just talking with my friend Brian Kramer about this. Like, how do you read an audience that you can't see or you don't know? Like mm -hmm. we're doing right now, you and I are doing it in this moment. We have the feedback of each other, number one. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of put your money on that and assume that I'm assuming that your audience, I'm assuming that you reflect your audience. There's some mirror there. And so if I'm engaging you, I'm probably engaging them. That's one. Mm -hmm. The other is a little bit narcissistic. Quick question. You're using the term audience. Is that interchangeable with community, do you think, when it comes to marketing and brands? Or do you think that there's a difference there in, in the way we should be thinking about that? That's a smart point. I think community, it depends on what you're leveraging. So, because a community is obviously more meaningful than just any old audience, right? A community is a group of people that know that they're already united versus an audience that doesn't know. Mm -hmm. They might still, both might like you just the same, but the community feels connected to each other also at the same time, right? And I know, and I'm surmising the same with your community, is that a community is more like listeners and fans, right? So a fan they have some stake in your game. They want you to win. The community wants you to win, right? And that they're going to do something on your behalf. So you're expecting them to listen to this show, for example, and you're expecting them, I'm assuming, to talk about it on their own. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think if that's the case with a community, you have to assume that there's both. That there's new people and not new people, right? That your audience is both listeners and fans, people that you want to con convert into fans. This is how I talk about it because I'm from radio. When you do that, you have to give the new people, the not yet community people, just enough. You need to make them feel excluded and included at the same time. The inclusiveness is pretty easy. The exclusiveness mm -hmm. is you want them to jump over. You want to tease them. You want that tantalizing thing, right? So I believe that the mm -hmm. way... And, and then you want to strengthen the community. You want to light them up even more to do the things we just talked about. I believe you can do both the same way. And it's about access. So the funny thing about a green room is everybody wants into it. The truth about a green room is mm -hmm. it's nothing special. In fact, they're usually disgusting. <laughs> everyone, almost everyone is disgusting. <laughs> or it's so boring. You're just like, what's I... the deal? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Before the end of this podcast, we have to dive into more of your like radio, <laughs> radio side. Yeah. This is this is sounding really good. <laughs> this is sounding really interesting. We got to hear who is the worst in the green room. <laughs> yeah, who is like the sloppiest? <laughs> we will. We can. I mean, right now, if anybody's ever been to CBGBs, I mean, that's the worst. It's certainly the worst bathroom on the face. <laughs> was the worst bathroom on the face of the planet. But so you know the the thing about and the green room can mean anything right now, right? The green room is is typically what's backstage. But what it means is what's behind the curtain. So everybody wants this access. They want to feel special, right? They want to feel like you gave them something that you're not giving to anyone else. And as a marketer, as a salesperson, as a podcast host, as the person the author of a blog or a book, for example, it's your job to make the would-be community member or passerby feel as though that they've got a microphone too, that they're in the conversation with you, that they've got some kind of connection that they possess. And you do that by giving them multiple access points to the green room, right? So for example, in this conversation, 
I've dropped a bunch of nuggets about me. <laughs> We've talked about radio. We talked about marketing with Walmart. In the very beginning, I told you that I was unhappy. So I gave people an access that way for a fellow miserables <laughs> or people frustrated. I think it's obvious that I'm a, a lot more of those in the world right now, probably. A lot more, right. Yeah. We're women, you and I, right? We're mm-hmm. underdogs by nature. And I've got Pac-Man behind me. So <laughs> somebody knows I'm from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> the best era. The best era. Thank you. I believe that too. And so we have a lot of nuggets that we're dropping here, right? To get people to Mm -hmm. tune in, to lean forward. That's the objective, right? Every time it's not deliver a demo. It's not sell them the product. It's not, I don't know, get them to come to your restaurant. It's just the next step. It's to make someone lean forward and feel emotion. That's got to be the first thing that happens before they respond to your email or comment on your social post or pick up the phone, right? It's just make a feeling, make a feeling possible, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's a good feeling. That's what you really want. Although negatives work too. They do. We know this Mm -hmm. as president, for example, I'm tangenting a little bit, but it is more art than science, Chantal. (laughs) So that's why marketing is so hard is because it is, you can't, there's no map for it. There, we can give you all the basics and everyone the mm-hmm. tools, but the je ne sais quoi, you either have by nature, I think you only have it by nature. You can uncover it if you don't know how to use it yet. I believe this. But I don't think that you can learn it mm-hmm. if you don't already have it, right? That's just charisma. You mentioned, though, art versus science and marketing. And I, I, I almost feel like when you come into the conversation and you, you lead with artificial intelligence, that like kind of gives you a leg up because then people are just inclined to think people find it really hard to to feel like they can argue when you use the words data or anything related to <laughs> AI, machine learning. They're just like, oh, well, I assume that you then must be correct. You must know what you're talking about. Do you think that bringing AI into the marketing world is going to give us that advantage when we're having these conversations? Yeah, boy, I love that you said that because two things. Well, first of all, the artificial intelligence then is the science, as you're right. And then the human element is the art. And it's our belief at Lately that, in mine personally, that you don't ever want to remove the art from marketing because it won't work. And we just talked about all the reasons why. That's the magical thing that rockets it. But robots on their own are cold and humans on their own are slow. (laughs) So, but together that's one plus Mm -hmm. one equals five, you know, forget the three. We're beyond that now. (laughs) (laughs) But also what you said, I think you touched on something else, which is, and I didn't mean to do this, but, and I don't think you're insinuating that I did, but people do use science to shut you down. Do you notice that? This is what I feel. And in an argument, for example, I hate that because I am obviously more art than science as a human. You can hear it. <laughs> I can't even talk in a straight line, right? <laughs> Me too, Gemini. Me too. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so I get very upset, actually, when people use data against me. And as a founder and as a business person, the same spreadsheets that I love so much in marketing haunt me when it comes to accounting, for example. And I've had to spend a lot of time really learning that and having other people help me, right? Because it's just not, my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not an idiot, but it's just not where my 
sparkles go. And I find it very intimidating. And so I don't want people to be intimidated by artificial intelligence. And here's why. It's not what we think. It's n- and it's not going to maybe never be. So if artificial intelligence was a human being and there was a lifespan, your average human lives to what, 85 these, these years, I guess? Artificial intelligence is about three months old, right? It's a three-month-old. And remember, like humans are unlike any other animal, whereas I was just reminded about this when I was watching a horse movie last night, a horse racing movie. Like all other animals come out of the womb like ready to rock. They can walk. Right. They can eat. They can move. Humans are these useless blobs. We have to be (laughs) curtailed in the world, right? (laughs) And so AI is also (laughs) that way. It's a useless blob (laughs) that needs the human to hang on. And there's what's called pseudo AI and then autonomous AI. So pseudo AI is most of the AI that everyone talks about in the world right now. It requires a human to exist, including ours. Ours also requires humans to exist. And it starts, now true autonomous AI is when it starts to think on its own, right? That's the scary stuff. That's That's the the stuff that movie, horror movies are made of. Yeah, like I still haven't personally seen that. (laughs) I mean, and I don't know a lot. I only know about my world of the AI, which is a very small world. (laughs) But because still there's, it's just think about it. All the triggers that you guys have, has everybody seen the Mandalorian? Remember when like the murder bot turns into a nurse? It's hilarious. He says it's a reprogramming (laughs) mind, but it's because it's based on a set of rules. And so just watching that thing, pick up a a teacup and, and squish it because all, just imagine we're tangenting now, but imagine all the things that you have to tell a robot to do just to know where to, f- how high to lift this thing, right, into the air mm-hmm. and what degree it has to pour it at before it's going to spill, but all the other motions that come in hand. So anyways, this stuff is so complicated. Don't be intimidated. If anybody throws the words artificial intelligence around you, just laugh because they probably don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> even i'm i know just enough to be dangerous right like i have a team who handles this for me who's given me lots of keywords so that i can know i can look smart but but (laughs) i think i think we know i think we know that you're the brain behind this this organization (laughs) well at least with the writing part so what lately does and i'll just dive into this for a second and not to be a commercial but lately learns from me first so what i am really good at chantelle is writing i was a fiction writing major as we talked about before i wrote hundreds of commercials for radio and i learned a lot about so what's interesting about radio is there's no video so you are talking and even though i was playing music there, i had to think carefully about what to say and how those things sound and so and i love lyrics and music of course so i'm constantly hearing how i sound right and when you so here's the the geeky stuff when your song li- when your brain listens to a a new song the neuroscience of music tells us that it must instantly access every older song you've ever heard in that moment because it's trying to find the familiar touch points of all those other notes so it knows where to index the new song in in the brain library of your brain right so in that moment nostalgia and emotion memory all these things happen when you're listening to music it's fascinating now your voice chantelle just like my voice has a frequency like a song like a note has a it's a note and when you read text you hear the voice of the person who wrote it you hear the notes and so again it's the onus of the author the podcast host 
whoever to give you those familiar touch points, Pac-Man and self-help <laughs> and happiness, so all the things we talk about, mm-hmm. so that you feel comfort, nostalgia, access, trust. This is why this is so important, right? And so lately, first learns from me, I write by hand all of my social posts on my personal accounts. And tell we tell the AI to study that as the best practice because I'm damn good at that, <laughs> right? I'm good at writing, good at getting, getting them to engage and share and all these things. And so the, the AI yeah. uses me as its baseline. And then in, I've taught my staff a series of um, writing rules, Kately's writing rules. My team calls me Kately from lately. And every time we use the AI, so I'm going to I'm gonna ask you for this podcast. We're going to run it through the AI. The AI is going to transcribe everything you and I have said. It's going to look for the top keywords, phrases, and sentence structures that it already knows are going to get the highest engagement from my audience. Pull out those quotes, find the oh, wow. video clips of me and you saying those quotes, right? And then I'm going to use all 50 or 60 social posts, my team is going to edit them. It's going to go through and be like, okay, the AI got this wrong. Let's contextualize this. Let's put Kate's rules in here to make sure it's a little more sexy, engaging, whatever we want. And then drip feed them out over time, drip feed them out over time. So that I'm thinking of everything you and I say right now as legacy content so that when we run those 40 social posts once a week over 40 weeks, who cares, whatever it is, that long tail will have way more power for us because in butts and seats are hard to come by, Chantel. And I don't really care if there's two listeners or 20,000 mm-hmm. listeners now. It's the later, right? That matters. Right. And so then the AI is learning from my brand at the same time, but in your brand, because we teach our customers how to do the same thing, you know? So just imagine like... Mm-hmm. This is a lot of information that has to, we're seven years old. So we've been teaching it for seven years, these techniques. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like getting, not replacing the magic. And this, forget lately, this is just a metaphor for everything you got, you do, we all do in our whole lives. Like keep the magic, but get someone else or a machine to do the hard part. So like, could I change my own oil? Yes, I could but it only cost me 35 bucks for the dude down the road to do it. So like not essential thing I need to know. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> There's so many CEOs who would agree with you that they would rather have someone we were talking about. They don't want to be sitting yeah. on social media and building their personal brand. And they do want like somebody else to kind of absorb their, whatever their genesis qua and put that into something that they can just hit send on or just approve and be like, let's go. Do you think that this is the future of all content that AI is really becoming like a necessary piece of that? So sadly to mm-hmm. say, but yes, because of the writing piece is so hard for humans and we're only getting worse. I don't even think they teach cursive writing anymore. In I, I think they're I done. Know, I don't have kids, but they I don't. I haven't gotten right? to that part of, of is, life. I think they're done. Yeah, I think they're done. <laughs> They're done. And I don't even know if they teach like basic, just how good basic writing is anymore. Like I look at people, I think about when I say Emily Post, people don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, okay, wow. But yeah, I mean, to some point, what you had said is really right is people, it's hard work. People don't want to do it. And so that means the smartest hire you can probably make in marketing is journalist, by the way, someone who knows how to write. 
focus, the strategy and execution, mm-hmm. there you go. Like it doesn't matter how good you are at those things if there's no one creating quality content from the first get-go, right? What I was thinking was that I wanted to hire someone who's like both an actor <laughs> and a writer. Because <laughs> even I need someone to be me. <laughs> but in the end, especially as a small company, the CEO still has to be the star because that's yeah. what people invest in. That's where people buy from. So you can't have people replace you. I mean, even Gary Vee is the cover of his own magazine, right? Even very big companies, even Jeff Bezos is the cover of his magazine. So it's not something, I think if you're a CEO and you don't want to do that, you you may have picked the wrong job. (laughs) And you'll see that like when people hire CEOs or CEOs that people gravitate to are CEOs that have the charisma to be the cover. Yeah. I mean, something that I know you mentioned that you don't think that the magic can be, the human element can be removed from all of this, but it's incredible to see how smart these AI uh, systems grow over time. And they're learning so quickly, much faster than I think that we've seen humans are capable of learning. (laughs) So I don't know. I, I almost feel like, do you even have like a little inkling where you're like, Okay, one day I could see where some of the fears are that like these systems are just so smart and have so much potential that we haven't even witnessed yet. You know, maybe like even in the case of The Mandalorian or let's talk about R2-D2, for example, like the reason that we like R2-D2 is because we, the humans... He acts mm-hmm. like a dog, right? That's that on purpose. They designed it that way. The noises and the everything, like a man's best friend, woman's best friend, whatever. But the human is the one that has to imagine that. The human is the one that perceives that still, right? So there has to be this other thing. The other, there's no removing right. the other from the equation. There just isn't. I don't see it. Like even in the movie, even in the movies, as we're talking about, like I can't imagine. Not that I'm not saying never is never, but it's still, there's a human required. So like, I always fall to this example, which is not the same, but I think the metaphor is good. So when Betty Crocker first invented cake in a box, back in whatever it was, 50s or 60s, I don't even know, they had powdered eggs as part Mm -hmm. of the mix. So all you had to do was add water and it didn't sell because the housewives, which they were, didn't feel as though they had baked a cake. They didn't they had no part in the, in the making of the cake. So they took the powdered eggs out and made, you had to add eggs and voila. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we bake the cake. We own it, right? So there you go. That's that like human Bring back required. those powdered eggs. I'm okay with just adding water. I'm so uh, busy. I'm <laughs> ready for powdered eggs again. <laughs> it's so interesting. And this is psychology. I mean, I wish that I would love a degree in marketing psychology because I bet you know, why we buy what we buy is fascinating. And I have to talk to those people at some point. But anyways, I think like this is what we're talking about here is sympathy and empathy. That's the irreparable thing, I believe. Right. That's something I, I don't know how. I mean, I'm not Elon Musk, but I don't know how you teach a robot those things. Because it's all learned behavior. It's all pa- it has to be patterned. It might seem like sympathy or empathy, but it's only because we're perceiving it to seem that way. So again, more metaphors, but theater of the mind. When you read a book, the author knows that he, your imagination is the mm-hmm. third character here, right? Or is the, the other point of view. It's required. Your imagination is required for the book to succeed. 
for the story to be told. Right. Right. And now every human's imagination is different. Exactly. Every single one's. So there's a je ne sais quoi, X factor they have to factor in when writing the book. So yeah. So one thing Don't that I <laughs> mentioned to you that I, I like listening to interviews for my guests so that I can kind of get a sense of just everything about them. I totally fell in love with you when I heard you talking about a ton of things, but specifically when you were just like, cold calling is just like, why are we still doing it? And you find that so many businesses, especially B2B businesses, I keep pointing at you guys, but they just feel like this, like they have to follow this model. Do you think that there's any sort of end to this where people are starting to now understand that community building and engaging content and having a personable brand online, these things probably yield better results than just having somebody robotically calling a bunch of people who don't want to hear from them? (laughs) Yeah. And thank you so much, by the way. (laughs) I love making friends. This is the best part about these interviews, you know? So, yes, I think this is, again, where sympathy and empathy come in. Like, I get three or four cold calls every day, and I never answer any of them ever, 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 ever. And every cold email, ever, I can't, the only cold email I ever got that I responded to, well, sometimes they respond because I'm switch pitching, which is so funny to me. Somebody's like emailing me and they're like, hey, you want some more leads? And I'm like, do you want some more leads? Because I convert at a rate of 98%. So, or like someone will be like, they'll misread my LinkedIn. And they're like, hey, we help agencies like yours. And I'm like, I'm not, we're not an agency. Do you know what we do? Which is funny. So what was it? I'm going to have to go look at this email, but a very famous investor and Mark Roberts, Mark Roberts emailed me not that long ago and asked me to participate in a program with him. And I wasn't, I didn't know who it was. I wasn't paying attention. And he, he's a startup guy who was the, I think he was the, I think the title was, he was the CRO for HubSpot mm-hmm. when they IPO'd. So, you know, he's someone of cachet. I was emailing with him and I was like, this sounds like a waste of time. <laughs> I don't want to do this. And he's like, you know, why don't we just get on the phone and like talk about it? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> then I get on the phone with this guy and I think, wow, he really <laughs> knows my company. He spent some time researching me and he's really he's cool. This guy's cool. And I'm like Googling who it is. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is like the king. I'm telling him it's a waste of time. Buzz what off, am peasant. I thinking? <laughs> yeah, like, but that's so me. Like you said, I'm too busy to take the time. You know, what a jerk. But anyways, so let's put yourself, put first, do unto others. It's the golden rule. Put yourself into the shoes of the people you want to reach and think, how do I like to be reached? What makes me go, hmm, what makes me stop and listen and actually read something? I'm so jaded. And so it's not very much, but it is, here's what's interesting to us. Like we thought for a long time that the way to reach our customer, and I know that everybody, this is a mistake a lot of people make, is save time, save money. We thought that was the value that would be interesting to people. Turns out there's 56 values, by the way, I'm learning from my friend, David Allison, who has a company called Value Graphics that consults the United Nations on marketing trends of the world. So he's somebody interesting. So there's 56 values that actually trigger action in sales. 
in marketing. And they can be trust, productivity, environment. There's a long list of mm. family, for example. Family, by the way, is the number one value in Canada mm. and America. It's productivity. <laughs> Go figure. But it depends. So like you had said, we talked about community in the beginning. And we learned that one of the biggest triggers for my customer mm-hmm. is actually community, right? That's, that is something they really, really care about. And inclusiveness. So how can we use those values in the messaging we create to try to get them to take a demo for us, that's our objective. We talked about objectives before. For me, I convert demos at a rate of 98%. I'll say that again, 98% in case anybody wonders why AI mm-hmm. works or doesn't work. We only use lately to market lately and nothing else. So like the AI is smart AF. But so thinking about what your objective is, and your objective is usually that key indicator. This is something else Mark taught me. It's a key indicator. Everything should be turned towards. So for example, in social media, Chantal, there's only two possible objectives for any social post, reshare Mm -hmm. or click. (laughs) Yeah. Right? It's the only thing. Reshare is getting word of mouth and those kinds of things. And then engagement is clicking. Now for a small business, it's very hard to get clicks because you're not trustworthy Mm -hmm. yet. People don't know you. Except and take notes, everybody, except in the case of how-to content. So if you write a blog or you do a video on how to bake a cake, how to whatever, and you give a bunch of tips, that gets a high clicking thing. Uh, But otherwise, you're looking for reshares. And the whole impetus, the value of a reshare is to look smart. Mm -hmm. It's all about your ego. So you reshare other people's content because it gives you the credit of having seen it first or thought it first or shared it first. It's just like in college when someone told you about a new band (laughs) and then you tell someone else about the new band, you get the credit for being like the tastemaker, right? So when you think about, when you break that down, when you break anything down into these little teeny macro pieces, then you can just really get away from that 30,000 foot thing. So we're we're talking about marketing. I'm, I'm sorry if I've tangented off the original question, but when it comes to all marketing, or sales, people wrongly think that the goal is the sale. When we talked about, we did talk about this before, like the goal Mm -hmm. is just the next step, (laughs) right? Just get me to the next position. For me, if it's a reshare of a social post, for example, I'll take that because I'm going to use it as Mm -hmm. social proof, right? Which is what I do. Like, so the more you know about me, I haven't met a customer in almost two years that every single customer has said, I've heard about you from, they've heard about me before even though I'm this little teeny small company, right? So, and with the clicking is like, I don't really care. That's why I was talking about the, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm really more interested in the trust because that's, by the way, the next step. So why do I want you to reshare me? You know why? Because I want you to have the feeling that you know me already so that it's Mm -hmm. that much easier for me to make a sale, right? Because trust is the commodity we all wield. We talked about, emotion and nostalgia and all those things, that's what they cause is trust. It's like you and I first met today, we talk about where we lived, mm-hmm. right? We're looking for touch points right away. You said Tampa. <laughs> I've been to Tampa. It's awesome. I was like, I'm jealous <laughs> of you. <laughs> but it gives me a familiarity point of where you are in the world. The weather does the same thing. The mm-hmm. weather is the best, it always lets you know somebody's mood probably you can relate to it there's more questions that stem off it it's the how's the weather there's a few 
it's one of the most three powerful words in the English language. The other one, by the way, is this isn't working. It's my other favorite <laughs> phrase. <laughs> my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> because. Yeah, well, it could it's either or, either, you know, so how's the weather opens all the doors. This isn't working, believe it or not. It sounds like it closes the doors, but then in, in fact, it opens the ones that have been wanting right. to be in open for so long. So when you say this isn't working, it, whether you need to fire an employee mm-hmm. or break up with a boyfriend, <laughs> you're giving yourself and the other person the permission right. to split, right? Because that's what people want is once that your everybody's shoulders drop, they're like, you're right. This isn't working. Panic for one second. Oh no, life is going to change. But then it's like, okay, so now what right. do I have to do? It gives you an opportunity to forward. reflect and move forward. Yeah. So these are just mm-hmm. easy things <laughs> too, right? We're boiling them down to the You the mentioned something really interesting about your actions. audience or the people who are most engaged with your brand or with you. And that was that they are really interested in community. So would you say that so far lately has been like a community centric company or that your growth has really been fueled by community or is there something else there that you would say is really fueling things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's me, mm-hmm. personality, right? I mean, I know that I'm the glue. I, I had 20 million listeners. And so I took them with me in, in, to some sense. Like, not It's not the same people. But I knew in, in the beginning, because I was a marketer, to leverage the network you have in front of me, in front of you, as best you can until it morphs, right? And we have an interesting group because our community is made of both customers and non-customers. So it's fascinating to me. There's people who would bleed for us and help us to the ends of the earth, but have long churned. <laughs> they don't want to pay us, right? Yeah. Or they don't want to use the product. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And they're the nicest people to do anything for us. And part of it is we learn from them because they may want the product, they want a cheaper version, or maybe we built something too sophisticated for them. We, and we've kept track of all of this and we're learning and doing things with it. But I think it's around that engagement piece, like, we talked about getting noticed early on and cutting through the noise. And as a small business, I knew in the beginning mm-hmm. that it's the one thing I could control for sure. And I also knew that there's plenty of really crappy products out there that had amazing marketing. And so while it's important that I do build an amazing product, which I happen to have done, thank you very much, Jason and Brian and Greg and my engineering team. I knew that the marketing would matter more because it does, right? I mean, <laughs> there's a million examples in the world <laughs> that I don't want to name because <laughs> I feel like I'm be crapping on some products, but <laughs> they're there and we all use them, by the way. And we all think, oh, <laughs> why am I stuck with this? You know? So, and, and also marketing, by the way, is the most pervasive and, and powerful of all the business entities because of those facts, those stats we talked about in the beginning, Mark, everybody in the company uses messaging to communicate HR, accounting, your sales, customer service, product team, everybody does, right? And internally, when everybody can communicate well and knows the values of the company and what the company brings to the customer, you get internal cheerleaders. And so this is about community again. So when you can first make your staff your biggest cheerleaders, your biggest supporters, it just by default bleeds out, right? Everybody wants to work for that company. 
<laughs> everybody wants to buy from that company. Everybody wants to talk, take a demo from that company. So we've really leveraged that to your point. The answer is yes. To the point of where sometimes I literally worry and think, oh my God, people only buy you know imposter syndrome (laughs) maybe that's true i don't know yeah Yeah, fully on but then and let's talk about let's get deep on this a little bit chantelle which is like for for this journey so for those who don't know i'm playing the startup game which is a different game they just make a nice business and make money it's it's whole prescription that you sign up for pitching and raising money and doing crazy things and losing money on purpose in order to prove that you can scale, right? That's crazy. And female founders only get 2%, 2 2.3 or 6% of all venture capital funding. Now there's billions and billions of dollars out there and only 2% is available to me. I have to bust my ass to get that money. And I've raised $3.23 million. Yay me. But if I was a white guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be a different story. Just yep. plain wood, right? And black women, by the way, don't even have it this good at 2%, right? And so this, the odds are stacked against you. And so I need my community, and I hate the word need because it's needy <laughs> and weak, but I'll say it. I cannot exist without my <laughs> community of mm-hmm. my team, my internal team, first and foremost, because I get punched in the face all day long, multiple times a day, and it hurts. I mean, I'm tough as nails, and obviously I love it because I'm doing it still, but it hurts, and I, and I need them to lift me up. And I need you to lift me up, mm-hmm. these conversations. I need my customers to lift us up because, like you said, imposter system, syndrome, there's so many things shooting you down all the time. And my super uber-duber power is making listeners into fans, making customers into evangelists. That's what I do, right? And without that, I'm just trying to really communicate like the depth of how much this matters to us, right? It's the thing that allows me to Mm -hmm. fail (laughs) and mostly fail, right? Because there's something greater that we're making. Lately is great as a product and I love it. But I'm building a company with a different set of rules as far as employment goes and leadership goes. I'm building a pipeline with, as you pointed out, <laughs> you know, we're not doing cold calls or cold emails and no paid ads because <laughs> we can't afford them. We only use organic marketing. We only use lately right. to market lately. And we grew the company 240% in a global pandemic. We have a 98% conversion. Now we have a lot of crap going on too. <laughs> it's not roses, but believe me, but that part we're really good at. And a hundred percent, it's because of the community that we've created and we use the community. You know, it's, um, it's more than a, it's more than cyclical. It's like, <laughs> what's it called when there's like a globe of spinning cycles, you know, it, right. it feeds off itself. Yeah. I mean, exponentially <laughs> that right there. It could have been, we could just boil down the whole conversation of that. You just, that was a love story right there in a very short amount of time to community and community led growth. And I think that that's something that a lot of businesses miss because like we were saying earlier, it's the magic, it's the je ne sais quoi, it's the thing you can't measure, it's the thing that AI and machine learning can't necessarily capture. It's that piece to the community and their support 
I also love that you consider your employees and your team to be community. I think a lot of businesses look to customers as the community and they forget you have to start the community at home. Yeah. Oh, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I mean, I just happen to have these golden <laughs> people who bleed, literally bleed alongside me. <laughs> and again, I have imposter syndrome all the time, you know, because I can be a bitch <laughs> and I know it. And sometimes I'm a terrible leader. <laughs> sometimes I screw it all up and I don't know when it will end. I don't imagine it can go on forever because we're all only human, but, but I'm sure happy it's here now. The most important important thing, Chantal, is that it's contagious. You know, like I'm more my my object my goals my goals have changed. You know, I thought sometimes it was to prove the system wrong or rub it in or raise the money or create a great product, and it's morphed. Those things still exist, and I still want to do those things. But more, I want to change the. I want to. I want to. I want to turn the system mm -hmm. inside out. That's what I want to do. And in order to do that, I have to also have the company succeed, I believe, because I want yeah. people to point at me and well, be like, you're definitely hey, she did this. on your way. You super inspire me. I was so excited that you said that you would agree to come on. So yeah, we're, we're out of time now, but just to end it on, I thought that was a really good note to end on, but I wanted to go back to your DJing days. So could you tell us, I guess, just, your favorite, the favorite artist or, or your favorite moment that you worked, that you worked on or you worked with? Well, my favorite artist is a band called the Damwells that were our favorite record of the year, my first year there. And their guitar player happens <laughs> to be my husband, <laughs> who <laughs> is lucky. <laughs> I love I like short guitar players. I'm a big Andy Summers fan also. <laughs> Look at me. So, <laughs> you know, and I met him there too, which is really great because of my job hazard was, of course, dating musicians. <laughs> and they're terrible to date, generally. <laughs> but I met, I did manage to meet a really nice one, which is lucky. But they're, I think like, Boy, it's it's hard because there's so many good stories. I'll just tell one that I haven't told anyone before because I've been listening to a lot of men at work lately. Uh, I've been just on a kind of a jag. And so Colin Hay, who's the lead singer for Men at Work, 80s people, came in to do a, a recording with us. And he's so nice. And he was in the booth doing Who Can It Be Now? just him on an acoustic guitar. His, his voice is so beautiful and still fully intact. He really has just, it's really impressive to me because we're what 30 or 40 years on now and he can hit all those high notes just in, you know, mm -hmm. so solo acoustic doing that. And his assistant accidentally had left their cell phone in their bag inside the recording booth and the phone started ringing and he literally just stopped and he's like, who can it be now? He did it with such grace. And it was perfect, you know. <laughs> we kept it. I should go listen to the CD. It's downstairs, the recording of it. Uh, and I have his pick. I, I've saved, I've asked for and saved only a handful of guitar picks. One is, one is Colin Hayes. One was Ryan Adams, who I loved. And then the other one is Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. So those are the th three guitar picks I ever asked for and they're in a little dish and yeah, not a bad collection there. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Kate. Really appreciate it. And we'll be sure to drop all of the links and everything. But if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about Lately? Yeah. Thank you so much, Santal. I'm so very glad to meet you. And and hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can find us all at lately.ai, www.lately.ai. And I love it when people connect with me on LinkedIn and say, hey, I heard you with Chantal. So linkedin.com slash Kate Bradley, I think, not Kate Bradley Chernus. So it should be easier to find. <laughs> Just look for the banner of the Rolling Stones. So that's my banner on LinkedIn. I yeah, love it. Stones, so easy. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Companies and Communities. If you like what you just heard, make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Companies and Communities is a show brought to you by Motion. Motion is a done-for-you podcasting agency for B2B tech marketers. We do the podcast stuff so you can focus on strategy, building brand awareness, and developing new relationships. To learn more about how you can launch and grow a podcast for your company, check out motionagency.io.